Check it out. Welcome to Generation, the podcast from the Generation X point of view. From Twisted Little Gnome Studios, join us as we discuss everything from the mundane to the insane with your hosts, Jeff Morgan, Russ Barbario, and Snapper Morgan. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Generation, the podcast from the Generation X point of view. I am your host, Jeff Morgan. Welcome, welcome. I've got my friends, the gentlemen, the fantastic duo. I've got Clyde Morgan, otherwise known as Snapper. How you doing, Snapper? Doing great. Doing great. How you doing? Can't complain. And my other best bud from my hometown, Russ Barbario. How are you today, sir? I'm Dandy. I'm two weeks sober into sober January, looking forward to the end of January. Oh, really? How's, so uh, has it been tough to do, uh, what do they call it, dryuary or something? Uh, something like There's sober October, which I also do. Okay. And then I dry January, I think is yep. what they call it. Uh, just to, you know, take the edge off after uh, a month of imbibing and overeating. Definitely. I have the same problem. I'm, I'm kind of sensitive to, and I know... All laughter aside, I am sensitive to gluten. I can eat it, but I have to actually eat the less processed kind. But during the holidays, a lot of what they have is that cheap white flour cookies, which are delicious, and pretzels and all of that. I love those. I know. I tend to overeat those. And then by 1st of January, my gut is killing me. But it wasn't as bad this year because I've discovered if as long as I stick to like wheat flour, it's not so bad. But I don't typically, um, but I have backed off on the drinking. I've, I've switched over to something so that I can drink less, uh, but there, but it's an imported cider. So what, what, what's your favorite drink, Russ? Uh, anything that is brown. <laughs> so like brown beers, brown <laughs> well, No, no, I actually like uh, bourbon, Irish whiskey, and scotch. I think you drink that stuff too, right, Snapper? I love my Irish whiskey. As long as I've got a bottle of Jameson, I'm always going to be happy. Oh, dude, you need to step it up. Jameson's like, <laughs> it's good, but it's it's basic. Oh yeah, it's well, the title had... basic, and I've and I do. Yeah. We uh, you know, we've here live living in the uh, uh, Atlanta suburbs. We've got access to liquor stores that are like you know liquor mecca, and they've got uh, concierges with headsets and white shirts and ties that will take you on a tour of whiskey. And, what is that, uh, Total Wine or something like that? Oh, yeah, total, total Beer and Wine, and just an amazing place. And this dude is like, no, this one right here is made from a single barrel. And he starts talking stuff. I don't know what he's talking about, but he knows the provenance of this one barrel from this one distillery. And uh, it, it, it does seem a bit, excessive on his knowledge but it's cool because he gives us a tour of different uh, and we try them you know it's like a, a eagle rare oh, that's a good one and uh clyde may is that it uh clyde mays yeah that, uh, their rye is really good I yeah it's, it's like know, a cinnamon bomb yeah i mean it'll kick your butt and uh so we like to try them all but at the end of the day, you know, you, everyone knows they got that friend that's like, you know, at the end of the day, just give me a Bud Light and I'm okay. You know? And sometimes I'm like that with my whiskey. As long as I got the Black Barrel Jameson, I'm all right. Is that one of the cask mates? Yeah, I think so. You know, it's just, yeah. you know, it's just a darker. 
Jameson, and uh, it's just delicious. What do you drink, Russ? Uh, well, you know, honestly, I, I probably have about 20 different bottles in my... If you were to recommend my, uh, one, what would you right recommend? What oh, would you uh, recommend? Irish whiskey, specifically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would say either um, Red Breast 12. Red Breast or, 12. Yeah, or, or Green Spot. Okay. Those I will are try really those. good. I will definitely uh, try those. They're going to be a little more on the pricey side. I think they're in the sixty to seventy dollar range. Mm. Well, I mean, I, really I can good. I can do it. Uh, I think the most I've ever spent is fifty on a bottle. Well, I think seventy is probably the most I've spent on a bottle. You no, know, I think yes. we paid seventy five yes. for a bottle of Eagle Rare one time. <laughs> Holy shit! We get that here. It's about thirty six, but we get everything retail. They don't do any secondaries in this market i will say i do have one more whiskey story and then we can move on okay. so i got a bottle of uh, uh it's called porch it's it's brooklady distillery it's a isla heavily peated it's called the uh, port charlotte heavily peated 10-year whiskey and i bought that for my wife because she loves scotch too and lo and behold, she bought me the same bottle. <laughs> we did had no idea that we had gotten it free. That's like so an romantic. alcoholic O. Henry story. R- right, except <laughs> not rot gut. <laughs> it's a very specific, you know, th- I think we had talked about it one time. I was like, I need to get that for her. And she got the same thing for me. And then she was like, can we take one of them back? I was like, no. No. And then she drank it for the first time. She's like. I'm kind of glad we have two bottles of this now. Yeah. <laughs> this one is mine. That's what me and the yeah. missus do. We buy, you know, two different kinds and try them out when we get home. And then we'll say, that'll be my bottle and that'll be your bottle. Oh. And, then, and then we fight. And then we fight. Well, that's, yeah. that's I actually fun. got Connor on into <laughs> scotch now. Yes, I know he's 19. <laughs> it's all right. But he's a big fan of scotch. Scotch is good. And, you know, that's cool. If I had been into scotch when I was that age, I, I would be like, yeah, I'm cool. I drink scotch. I don't drink your your uh, Bud Light crap. God, yeah. we drank the worst stuff in high school. What did you okay. drink in high school? I'll never forget that that entire fifth of uh, peppermint schnapps you drank at that party. I, I don't remember much of it, but it is. I can't uh, eat Starlight Mints to this day. I can can vouch for that. I can actually vouch for that. Do you remember me having to hold you up at the urinal? At the I think we were at the... Um, McDonald's. I the, now that you say that, yes, I remember going in. <laughs> I remember doing that. I remember my brother-in-law talking to a police officer at some point in the evening. I remember hearing, "Yes, sir, I'm, I'm home from basic. Um, I don't have a license, sir, because I've been on base. But my brother-in-law needs help getting home." And I just hear, "Well, thank you for your service. Move on," because I was in that little <laughs> park behind E.M. Rollins, that was back behind the woods and puking my guts out. Uh, Good times. Oh, good times. Such a good story. Yeah, I remember that. All right. Well, you were having such a good time until that point. <laughs> I was. I was having a great time. Uh, but we won't get into the details. We Let's not talk about the past. Let's talk about the present. What have you been up to, Russ? What's, what's just been going on since uh, the last we did a pod? Well, let's see. I told you that uh, my son came to live with us, right? Right. Oh, yeah. Um, that's mm-hmm. going well. He uh, just started a job at uh, at uh, Biscuitville. Yeah, Biscuit. the Biscuitville uh, right there. Yeah, 
Right. Now, the good thing is it's not very far away. The bad thing is he doesn't have a car yet. So I have to get up and take him to the morning shift oh, four days a week. you got to take him at Satur- biscuit time. Right. Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and Wednesday. Like, luckily he thought he had to be to work at 4.30 on Mondays and Wednesdays, but it turns out it's not until 5.30, so the first day we had to get up at, like, 3 o'clock in the morning oh. or 4 o'clock in the before four o'clock in the morning, um, so I don't have to take them too late. But I usually will just come home and then go back to sleep for a few hours. You know, wake so up. You got to get a car for that boy. <sighs> yeah. No, it's on the list of things. But he's uh, so he's doing that. He's he's registered for classes. We're still you know getting all the how to you know pay for everything worked mm-hmm. out. Shouldn't be a problem at least for the this semester. Yeah, but that five. So that's been pretty good. Gosh, biscuit time. That's that's terrible. Yeah. Well, know. you get used to it. Yeah, you get sure used do. to it. I have to get up because Evan has to be at uh, PetSmart sometimes by 7, so he gets up at 5.45, so yeah. Jesus, how long does he have a drive? Oh, uh, no, he gets up at 5.45, so he can take a shower, have some coffee. Uh, yeah, he, he, he doesn't oh, roll he out. Oh, he likes to chill before he yeah. rolls out. Okay, oh, yeah, he, cool. he leaves like 15 minutes before he has to be there. <laughs> it terrifies yeah. me because if, if it were after 8 o'clock, he'd never make it. It'd take him 45 minutes. Right, right. Yeah. That's right. That's Atlanta. So, um, what else have I been doing? Uh, so, this is going to sound weird, but... So, Connor has a Switch, Nintendo Switch that uh, we bought for him for his 19th birthday last year. Mm-hmm. And uh, he brought it with him. And I bought Animal Crossing for him to play, and I'm playing it more than anyone. <laughs> I have I heard it's totally really into Animal Crossing now. I've heard, heard that it is a, that for older people, we play it because it takes us to a nice, calm place, <laughs> and it's engaging, and uh, for some reason, it's kind of like what Candy Crush did to us. Well, I, I enjoy it because it reminds me, like, well, not obviously the graphics are going to be different, but the uh, the questing and collecting and stuff like that reminds me of World of Warcraft, so. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah, and it keeps me in the living room and off my computer, so my wife doesn't. It doesn't bother her. Oh, well, there's a know. there's a clone game for the PC called My Time and Porsche. That's uh, very very similar to it, and because uh, you know Nintendo, they, they no, they keep their games only on Nintendo, so uh, they're not going to make a PC version. So other companies have kind of tried to capture that zeitgeist and. You can't. I mean, Lord have mercy, the Nintendo Switch has sold like a billion of those devices. I know, it's yeah. crazy. I missed out on the Switch revolution. Uh, well, well we, I had, I still have my GameCube and I have a Wii, but, uh, you know, the Switch is kind of different. I, I think the thing is, is that they're AAA games that you pay 50 bucks for. And because uh, as opposed to playing a game that uh, on your phone which looks amazing, but unfortunately, so many of the games are freemium, play-to-win, uh, geared to monetize. Very few games that you buy outright on the phone. And that, that just infuriates me because, uh, you know, my phone is you know, 10 times more powerful than the Switch and is gorgeous graphics and everything, but... Uh, the Switch has better games because they're studio games. They're real games. 
And that's why it excels. I had also bought um, Cyberpunk 2077. Yeah. I was going to ask you about that, yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, I think the, oh, the blowback and the, the bad press has been getting is kind of overblown because I've seen some glitches, but they're not even remotely approaching game breaking are yours uh, do you uh, is yours pc or console version it's console which is the one that had the worst problems yeah uh, yeah that's what i thought when did you buy it because i wonder if uh, you got it right because they, they did they did do get a uh a, a patch no you right. bought it early on though i thought yeah, I bought, I bought it. Uh, I think I pre-ordered it. That's, that's but when did crazy. you download it? Though you may have downloaded it after the first patch was ready to help with some of the. Uh, I, I mean, I've just watched so Maybe. many videos because glitch videos for it are a thing now on YouTube, and they're hysterical. Right, and there's some glitches, but they're funny. But they don't break the game. Is what I'm saying. It's like is everyone a, knows that they're going to patch all this stuff. Is it a good game? It looked pretty good. Connor's played it. I I hadn't really played it, but I've watched him play it. It looks pretty cool. You know, as far as RPGs go, it's it's pretty in depth. And from what I hear, there's a lot of stuff that they took out of the game in order to meet deadlines. Right. But they didn't take the assets out, so they may bring a lot of stuff back at at some point. Oh, it's you got definitely a lot of potential yeah. for yeah, expansion. So. Well, cool. Well, snappy. What have you been yeah. up to? Uh, when was the last time we recorded? Was it? After Christmas or before Christmas? It was before Christmas. We we haven't had one since uh, Christmas in the holidays. Oh, okay. I, you know, I've been building my, my little YouTube studio, buying equipment, uh, cameras, and uh, stuff like that. And I got a, can, I got a drone, one of the, the, the DJI Mavic Mini 2. And uh, I haven't flown it yet because uh, it's just, I don't like the weather and it's cold and nasty and rainy. So uh, I'm petrified of flying that thing like right into a tree or a lake or anything. I bought. Well, thank goodness your neighborhood doesn't have trees. Yeah. Yeah. God. The, uh, I bought uh, like an insurance policy that DJI sells and for $50. They will replace your drone uh, twice in one year, up to two times in one year if it's your fault. So if you just smack it in the smack it down on the asphalt or or it plunges into a lake, they'll replace it. And uh, that's, uh, that's crazy. That's pretty good, considering it's a it's a flying piece of five hundred dollar equipment with a four K camera. And uh, so it's crazy. That's like yeah, you have to. You, there is. I mean, if you do this commercially, there one of the software that you use. I notice offers uh, indemnification uh, coverage for the day. You pay thirty dollars and you get twenty four hours of coverage for your drone. And uh, in case you you know damage property or hurt someone. Oh, okay. I see. Yeah, you know. Liability insurance. Liability. You know, you can't just launch and fly anything in the air. You gotta be a little bit responsible. Come on, kids. Just a tiny bit. So you built a studio. Is that what you said? Yeah, yeah. Um, I got, I got lights. I got cameras. Uh, overhead camera. Uh, real action? cameras too. So not, not webcams. And uh, so I'm, I'm gonna be uh, starting that up within uh, this week. 
And uh, that's what I've been doing uh, along with raging at the television. Well, and, that's and the what's the premise of the YouTube show? Oh, uh, it's going to be paranormal and uh, and stuff like that. So I live and breathe all of that crap. That's my Jersey Shore. All right, you know my my guilty pleasure. Did you watch the documentary about Skinwalkers? Oh, of course. That's uh, Skinwalker Ranch. I just bought. Uh, I just uh, subscribed to Discovery Plus, and it's all of those channels with all of those shows. So that's. Uh, if you're into the paranormal, Discovery Plus is like the best place to get all that stuff. Just put it in my veins. Cryptids. Well, and if you get, and you know, if you get a chance to watch uh, Truth Seekers on Prime, that's a nice little send off, send up of uh, the paranormal YouTube yeah, channel. Yeah, I started watching that. I was like, hey, it's all right. Yeah, it, uh, keep, maybe I just need to spend more time on it. It took about four episodes. My wife felt the same way. She's like, I'm really not sure about this but by the fourth episode you begin to pick up on the little things that have been dropped up until this point and that's when you begin to realize there's actually an overall story where they're headed and the last episode's just fucking bonkers <laughs> so it's cool it, yeah it's a lot of fun and they had better have another season because at the very end you're like oh all right now i'm interested so yeah i'm still watching uh the new season of uh, Cobra Kai. Oh, I haven't and I started still, yet. And the, uh, the new season of American Gods just came out. I'm probably going to watch that next. So my college roommate was in Cobra Kai season two and three, I believe. He's got a, a role Which in one? it. Because they film it here in Atlanta. Which roommate? Matt, really? Matt Lewis. Uh, I'll bring up his character's name. I think his character's name is Ron. <laughs> I think I remember... I'm sure I met is him. Is he the brother-in-law? I'll bring I'll bring it up. To, uh, yeah. Yeah. You bring um, that. You bring that up. Yeah. yeah we I'll, end up. Uh, I'm looking on the IMDb. Yeah, he does a lot of acting, and uh, but you yeah, you've, you've, you've met him several. several times. We lived together sure. when we moved to Atlanta. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah. Yes. 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 Yeah. He's yeah, not the yeah. one that moved to California, was he? No. 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 Yeah. Uh, okay, but yeah, he's, uh, oh, here he is. Yeah, Ron. He did three episodes. It looks like uh, whoever Ron is. I haven't seen the show, just the pilot. So everyone uh, says it's fantastic. This season so far is pretty good. Yes, I'm gonna check it out. Definitely. I think my wife's gonna start it tonight while I'm doing stuff later on. Well, excellent. Uh, not much going on with me. Um, I'm trying to think. Um, really just working at my job trying to keep things a going oh you know what yes we we lost our oldest dog over the holidays so that was um definitely sad so everybody's you know, kind of been everybody's sort of readjusting in a household that has three dogs normally the other two were just kind of confused for several days and one of our dogs who actually never really got along with the dog that passed away has sort of been blossoming now and, and trying to take on a much more dominant role and it's not quite suited for it yet. Uh, loud noises still scare the piss out of her. <laughs> so, but she's trying. But uh, other than that, we made it through Christmas. Actually, it was a really, it was a really great uh, Christmas. It was nice and relaxing. Uh, nobody got sick. We actually thought uh, my son had COVID. He went and got a test 
but thankfully he's tested negative and he is better. But he had a few days where um, it just was cruddy with a little bit of a fever, but didn't sound like it. But in abundance of caution, we went ahead and tested him. So everybody's good there. All right. Yeah, I just heard apparently that they're lowering the age of who's eligible to get a COVID te- a COVID vaccine in North Carolina from 75 to 65. So yeah, I don't know if they've run out of 75-year-olds to vaccinate or lot, just not enough of them. A lot of them haven't shown up, yeah. Um, there's still a lot of concern about it, so that's a shame. Yeah, we're going to start um, trying to find a place for our mother first, and I'm actually going to try to get Evan vaccinated first before us. I work out of the house, so I don't have a building to go back to, and my wife also works out of the house. She doesn't have a building to go back to, but he has to go out all the time. So we decided we'd do that, and that will also give him more of a sense of freedom. So he's been really good about uh, kind of staying quarantined, and I think I think his psyche could use getting out there and being a little freer, just like we all could use. Ah, it's like a breath of fresh air. All right, excellent. We've got a couple of lighthearted topics before we get into probably the biggest news story of the last hundred years, but we're going to keep it a secret till we start talking about it. Oh, my goodness. Well, let's start with something really actually near and dear to all of our hearts at one point or another. Russ, this is going to be your topic to kick us off. Tell us all about it. So, uh, so um, I wouldn't say I'm an expert, but I'm a fan of the Mandalorian uh, series uh, and, so uh, good season two dropped i get when was it around thanksgiving uh i want to say it uh, dropped uh october like halloween or maybe the week oh, no right. the week before halloween because they had that second episode which was their halloween episode the one with the egg eating so but keep going right oh was that see i i watched them after they had all come out i i prefer to just watch them one after the other right and wait it. a week um and the first couple were a little slow and i think it got a lot of criticism but uh it wound up on a high note for sure what were Um, what were your favorite parts oh spoiler warning for everybody listening right now if you haven't watched spoilers uh i like the fact that they brought um a a mildly overweight boba fett back (laughs) Um, and it's only so, a few years since he supposedly died. That, that's my only <laughs> real complaint about Well, that. he was in the Sarlacc pit for a number of months or so. Okay. I don't know. So he, he could have been a bloated a bit, yeah. yeah. That's right. Yeah, you know, I mean, dude's got to eat, and uh, it is uh, good times in the, uh, in the Republic now, a few years after. Yeah. So um, now... Am I mistaken in saying that that the Mandalorian season three is going to follow Boba Fett, or is he having his own series? His, his own series. We will continue. Okay, yeah. so we will continue to follow whatever this Mandalorian's name is yeah, in, in season three. Yeah, Din Djarin. Din Djarin. Din Djarin, I think is what it is. Yeah. Which do, yeah, what, sure do we? Has anyone ever said that name in the show, or is that yes. strictly in the credits? Uh, I want to say that they did say it at one point uh, that he had to mention it, but um, yeah, from what I understand, they're going to move on into a third season and then they're going to start tying all of these spinoff shows together. There's the, mm-hmm. what is it, the Rangers of the New Republic, 
Um, I hadn't heard about that one. That looks Ahsoka. like that's going to... And then there's going to be Ahsoka. The Rangers of the New Republic looks like it's going to be a vehicle for Gina Carano. What's her name? Uh-huh. That mm-hmm. she's going to... That's it. The wrestler. The wrestler. That she might jump over to that because it's that that's kind of what they're setting her up to be as a marshal. And that... Um, you know, so it's going to be I a Star Wars American cop Gladiators. show? Gladiators. Is that what yeah, this kind is? Of like that. Yeah. What were you saying, Russ? Uh, I think she was an American gladiator, wasn't she? Uh, probably. If you've seen <laughs> her back is like broad, she's got the strength for it. Yeah. But yeah. But she, um, yeah, and of course she's she's uh, very opinionated on the Twitters, which has a lot of Star Wars fans um, frustrated because, you know. Some Star Wars fans. Well, I will say a lot, but that doesn't mean that it's not as many. We can argue about the size, but at least on Twitter, it appears to be a large group of people. I find, yeah. I find, uh, I find her thoughts a bit divisive, but you know, if it if it affects the numbers, then Disney will do something. I'm not sure yeah, that it she, affects she, the she's numbers. She's not saying it too also, much because Disney will drop that. Well, I've heard that Disney, or at least people, some people at Disney want her gone, but John Favreau is like saying, "Nope." Yeah, well, he pretty he's much sticking by her. I, I, that actually says a lot for me because I mean, John Favreau is as progressive uh, as it gets. Yet he's also the wonderkin, him and Filoni, uh, as far as Disney is concerned. Uh, and Disney and, and Star Wars. Like, I mean, they've given needs him to bow so their heads much. to them. <laughs> What'd you say, Russ? I was saying Disney needs to bow bow in reverence to uh, Dave Filoni and, oh, and John Favreau that, because they're going to save their absolutely their franchise. Because the well, park, which was a significant amount of money for Disney, you know, the park helps fund a lot of things, and that park ain't funding squat. So they were lucky. They were lucky to uh, have been able to un- to unveil Disney Plus. Well, now let, let's <laughs> be right honest. At the, at the, at let's the not moment. cry. Let's not cry for Disney because even though people can say, you know, The Last Jedi was terrible and The Rise of Skywalker was terrible, each of these movies made them billions of dollars. So yeah. not bad for a bad movie, but I agree that Filoni and Favreau, what they are is they're not only fans, but they're also, they make things. So they know how to make something sure. that's appealing to people and then to take some piece of fan work. Now, the problem with some other folks is that they will mine an old piece of, of property and they forget. I know what people like about Star Wars is they really like the pacing. It's like an Indiana Jones movie. They like that nonstop from start to finish over a short amount of time feeling. That, and Lucas thought that they wanted story. And we didn't mind the story. I, I just think that the prequels probably would have been made a better TV show than three movies, but you couldn't make it as a TV show. You could now, but you couldn't back in the late 90s. Right. It's too expensive. So, but, but what did you think about overall the season now that you've seen it all? Uh, it, it definitely, um, it definitely uh, sped up and, and was, uh, I'm trying to remember all the episodes. There was the egg-eating episode. There was the, the uh, Bo-Katan's episode, uh, crate dragon. Yep. That was the first episode, right? right? They killed the crate dragon. By the way, crate dragons are way bigger than they portrayed them in uh, Knights of the Old Republic. <laughs> I had no idea that they were that massive. Um, uh, it 
Yeah, it definitely felt like production value had gone up from the first season. Because the first season, I wouldn't say low budget, but it was like a very well done fan fiction movie. Yes. It, right, it, very well done. It had, but it had that small budget feel to it. It did. It actually did have fans. Uh, all they had to get all of those stormtroopers. They got the five hundred first, which is a fan. Yeah, I knew that. Yeah, brought them in. So, did you enjoy the big reveal at the end of the season? Um, I did, and I think it it restored a little bit of the of the old like Luke Skywalker that we remember. Mm-hmm. Now I've heard talk of them like retconning a bunch of stuff i don't know how they're gonna do that i mean they're basically trying to i mean from what i hear not pretend that the last trilogy ever existed but move like de-emphasize that and i mean one of the one evidence one bit of evidence for that is they're going to be removing a lot of the content in the theme park from the last three movies and replacing it with stuff from the Mandalorian <laughs> and some of the other properties that they're, they're I was wondering about that because you know out. as a someone who saw it originally and and grew up with it um, and how close it is to our heart um, the man, this season of the Mandalorian brought us everything we wanted in a set of sequels to the original movies we didn't obviously our generation did not feel that episodes one two and three were what we wanted kids may have loved it and that's great and like you said jeff each movie made over a billion dollars so you know that's fine but the mandalorian gave us exactly what we've always wanted for 30 40 years give us more pew pew give us more the uh stormtroopers give us everything we loved about the original movies what democracy? I don't care about the democracy. It doesn't the, need to be in epic. The galaxy. It, it just needs to be exciting. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, this is a western in the Star Wars universe, and it is, but it's still got a story. It's still great, and it it did. It had red meat. It threw red meat to the fans. That's how that's how I felt about this entire season and why everyone was so grateful to Favreau and Filoni, which is, you know, gimme, gimme, gimme what I wanted. I got it. So, okay, these past three movies, it, do, it did disappoint me that they really just rebooted the franchise. And I thought, you guys suck. You got right back in the same position 30 years later. With another Death Star? What the hell is wrong with you? How did you manage that? And it's no longer the rebellion, it's the resistance. Well, in in the end, it's like uh, Superman Returns really retold the story of Superman. And they came along and essentially retold the story of Star Wars, but done through a... They couldn't tell a new story. They were so afraid. I think, honestly, they were too afraid of the fans and then too afraid of not pleasing the fans, and what you got is a mess, and instead you needed somebody to come in who wanted to tell a story. And also, it probably was a lot of interference from the studio as well, trying to shape some of the vision. You can't make these things by committee. But they had a bunch of treatments from 
Lucas that they tossed out. They didn't use any of his treatments. Oh, I know. Maybe they thought. Right. Maybe he was still considered, um, yeah, still kind of a failure because it's only now that the prequels are kind of getting some love by the kids who grew up. They're now in their twenties, but um, the stuff he did. I think they're they're vastly superior to the new trilogy, and I know that's controversial to say, but I think that story wise, they are better. It's a very nuanced. Movies. It is. A, it's actually a very yes. nuanced story with. Uh, you know, it, it. I still subscribe to the fan theory about Jar Jar being a Sith Lord. No, right. stop that! Stop that! <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally but they it's entirely possible. And they were, all, but they were also possible. all written and made by the same person, so they they all have the same fingerprint on them. And when you make three movies, I know J.J. Abrams came back to the last one, but he was essentially trying to piece together what someone else had already started. I still haven't seen it. It's it's okay. I have, it's I have it's zero uh, interest in watching. It's it. probably better than the the Last Jedi, but understand, I also uh-huh. loved all three of them, but not certainly not any way in the same way that I love the others. They're not quotable, yeah. but they're fine. There's nothing wrong with them. There really is nothing right. wrong with them, but they weren't exciting. It's like the and I don't I don't hold four, five, and six up like on this pedestal. I know there's problems. I mean, the fifth one is like. There's nothing wrong with number <laughs> Bears five. in space. <laughs> the number number one, you know, number four, you know, has some issues. There's technical limitations and all that. They tried to repair some of that with the special editions and everything. Uh, and the fifth, the the sixth one, that's eh, kind of weak. And I felt it at the time that it was very simplified. I mean, what well, they only had really like uh, two different locations right. that they were in. Mm-hmm. Uh, one was the uh, Tatooine, the other one was Endor, and just there wasn't a lot of. It was it wasn't very complex, and the dialogue was not very good. And, and good God, the acting from uh, from uh, Han Solo and Leia were kind of not great. <laughs> so it has problems. I mean, it's still good. I like it, but uh, you're, ne- you're never you know, you're never like, going you're never going to recapture the timing. Uh, and its placement in cinema history. All right, True. those movies True. were the firsts in so many categories that now those categories that you have to hit those marks are a requirement. And if a movie doesn't hit any of those marks, we don't even consider it. You know, it's got to be right. big. It's got to have yeah. some humor. It's got to have a good-looking guy. It's got to have an underdog. You got to have comedy element. You know, you got all these things. Which is why maybe the Marvel movies always succeed, whereas the DC movies kind of suck. And it's like they went too dark. Yeah, well, it's like they, I appreciate the Snyder interpretation of Superman. Mm-hmm. I think that's it's great, and 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 Amy Adams can do no wrong, and I will fight you if you say otherwise. <laughs> but you know, but a Marvel movie will make a billion dollars. Yeah. yeah, and I was also a really big fan of uh, Rogue One. I oh yes, hey, hands story. down, hands down. Yes. Um, I wish it had been the original dark version that the original because yes. it was like a pair of directors were originally on board for yeah. it, and they pulled them off because it was they said it was too dark and it was pretty dark yeah. as it is, but it would have been I think it would have been probably better. Yeah. Um, 
But it was a dark subject, you know. Okay. Hey, we, we are knew getting what was going to happen <laughs> with the television series. All of them, all the new shows, yeah. everything you could probably want. Some will fail. Some will be terrible. Some will be awesome, and that's great because I think this yeah. the new medium gives us the time and budget in order to realize the kind of stuff we want. To cram it all in a movie that's too important, and you're trying to please every fan, you'll just get a lot of mediocrity. I agree. Okay, well, awesome. Excellent kickoff to this. Snapper, you've got a really interesting topic that uh, we've got a little bit of time for here. Tell us all about it. Yeah, well, this was a a little bit of a deep dive when it was suggested to me to look into it. It actually led me from it into another. It has numbers stations. And the, the, the whole number station phenomenon really crept into our... Um, uh, I guess sphere as uh, Generation X in popular culture movies about spies or paranormal stuff Fringe did an episode about number stations a lot of uh, Fringe elements not just the uppercase F but the lowercase F um, number stations always had an allure but when you finally look into what a number station was, uh, the magic is kind of uh, stripped away, well, and that is... Hey, those, you need to define what a number station is first that, so that everybody knows. Yeah, because I have no idea That's what, what I was doing. About. I was getting right... I was walking right into it. Oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah, just back off. Number stations are the uh, shortwave uh, stations that... Um, give out strings of numbers as a code all right they go all the way back to world war one world war ii used them a lot the cold war it was a big thing but essentially code messages are encoded into a series of numbers and or letters and they are okay. This was this is in a movie I saw recently. There, there that they use something like this. It's, it's actually Cusack. in one of the early episodes, and it's in one of the early episodes of Truth Seekers too. There's a number station he listens to. Oh right. Okay. Maybe that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Of. So that's that's in some of my uh, thing. Is that's actually a parody of one of the most famous numbers stations, and. Uh, it is the Lincolnshire Poacher, which is a, a local folk song. A lot of number stations would start off and play uh, like a little tune. Sometimes a tune, sometimes a tone, bells, is several things. But uh, it would start off and then numbers would be read. Now, eventually those numbers got replaced by uh, like an actual uh, text-to-speech kind of machine. So didn't actually have to have someone speaking uh, live. And, uh, but it allows clandestine opera, uh, communication, one-way communication that's almost completely foolproof because the spy has a, a pad that they reference, that they use to decode. But it, what it is is it's only, uh, they don't, they're the ones that know the time, the frequency, uh, uh, of when to listen for those numbers, and then they're the only ones that know the decryption key kind of thing. So uh, since anyone, you know, it's not suspicious to have a radio 
a spy could easily get orders. And these, of course, are short waves, so they could broadcast um, from around the globe, uh, you know, at night, in the middle of the night kind of thing. Uh, you just bounce it off the uh, atmosphere. And uh, that kind of got me, once I read, once I, uh, I read up on it and I realized, well, there's nothing clandestine. I mean, there's nothing weird paranormal about it other than if you also remember um, the show Lost had uh, a whole numbers station kind of thing for the first couple seasons. And that drove people nuts trying to figure that shit out. But... Um, Jesus Christ, why did you have to bring up that goddamn show? I, I know, I know, I know. I'm still that show so still makes me that. angry when I think about it. Never watched it. Great show, loved it, then hated it, then just got so pissed off at the finale that you just want to... Right, watch the first episode, oh, fantastic. and then the last episode, and save yourself a lot of time. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. The most famous, and I'll wrap up the numbers thing, is uh, there's Cuba, where it was called the uh, Atencion Spy Case. And basically, we had some Cubans here in 98... And if you were, uh, I remember this, we, we had, it was a whole Cuban spy ring operating and uh, got busted. And at the trial was uh, how they had basically decrypted the numbers station code and, and showed uh, it's one of the only public uh, exposés on a number station because, you know, they weren't even acknowledged for years and uh, this, of course, now in a federal, big federal case, we got to learn all about a, a, a real-world numbers station and how it works through, uh, through the testimony. So it was, uh, so was kind of cool. But uh, in popular culture, number stations are, are like, they're, 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 they're crazy. They're nuts. QAnon you can, stuff. You can still get to them online. Really fascinating. I did some research back in my Art Bell days about it as well. Uh, mostly just a big mystery, and they're just super creepy to listen to. Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask whether or not your country is full of lizard people. It's a concern, you know. Last week, we had some chaos in the country. And really, no matter how you spin it, things fell apart. And so we would be remiss if we didn't at least put out a podcast where we addressed it. Uh, we, uh, we have spoken since the election, but we haven't spoken since a lot of the buildup to the January 6th certification of the election. Now, this was supposedly the last key point where after this, there really were no other complaints. There was no other court case you could do. There was no other chance to, to change any of the results. All of the states had already certified their results. Over 60 plus lawsuits had been rejected against it. And we got to this point and it looked as if there was going to be sort of a, a, a symbolic debate and protest within the House and within the Senate where those who wanted to uh, claim irregularities within the election system could have their speech, even though there was no chance it was going to overturn the results. But meanwhile, there was also a protest outside. 
Democrats are well acquainted with protesting when Trump was elected the first time. I think there were protests almost the very next day. And there was a there were a lot of marches, there were science marches, there were women's marches, a lot of talk. So the expectation was there would also be a lot of talk outside. And unbeknownst to us, I mean shit just fell apart fast. And in retrospect, we can see a lot of the signs and there were people that said things going into it that there were going to be problems. Uh, a lot of armchair uh, Nostradamuses, Nostradamai, uh, you know, pro- they made guesses that things like this were going to go down. Honestly, it's still a bit surreal. Uh, data's just starting to come out. So I'm going to shut up for a minute and I'm going to ask uh, Russ for you to kick us off and kind of tell me what were your thoughts as you watched it unfold. Uh that it was the stupidest insurrection I had ever seen. And I think it was, I think what, now I know that there was a whole lot more people there than actually went into the Capitol. Yes. And mm-hmm. I know a lot of people I follow and listen to who went to it. Um, and some of them were like acting in a, like a independent journalist capacity. They weren't, you know, really there to protest, but to cover it. Uh, a lot of people didn't even know what was going on until after the fact. Um, but I think it was a few hundred, a couple hundred, most, that went into the Capitol. Um, you know, it's, it's unfortunate it's stupid, and I think it was mostly a bunch of QAnon idiots um, that thought that... I don't know what they thought. <laughs> uh, they were going to uncover the, the dungeon underneath the Capitol where they're holding all the children that they use for science experiments or something. I don't fucking know. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what to make of it other than I'm glad it didn't wasn't any worse than it, than it was. That's for sure. I mean, if they had thought if they were going to bring weapons, you know, guns and stuff like that thankfully that didn't happen um you know there were no there were some broken windows there was unfortunately a a small number of people that were uh killed or injured um it could have been a hell of a lot worse um but you know the fact that there just wasn't enough um security there is is interesting. I mean, I would think that if they knew there was going to be this big um, protest right outside and there was always the potential for things to get out of hand, they were severely understaffed. But uh, one interesting thing about it is that Alex Jones was outside the Capitol building on a bullhorn screaming at people, don't go near the Capitol building, don't try to go in the Capitol building. And it's like, well, if Alex Jones is the voice of reason in this situation, then then you're really dealing with some crazy. Uh, yeah, considering his, uh, we know from court testimony that Alex Jones plays a character named Alex Jones when they were taking his children away and his wife sued for full custody. His uh, defense was all of that is an act, every bit of it. I am not that person in real life. Because she was trying to take the kids away because of the Alex Jones we see, which is the, the nutbag racist uh, crazy man. 
And uh, he's like, no, I'm not like that. I mean, well, granted. this week he he's been talking against QAnon. He's been yes, saying he, stuff he, against he it. He totally destroyed them. Yeah, he kicked them, them off yeah. his show. He hates them. But uh, here's the thing, you know, there are two there are two groups. Uh, you got the QAnon, which breaks my heart that it is the dumbest, dumbest conspiracy to result in insurrection. So I'm ashamed of our country. For, for it just being dumb, then we, we do know that there were very specific militias that had planned this. And uh, we've, got, we've got the uh, chatter because they used uh, um, an app that's very much like Discord. And kind of like how we're recording this. They, uh, they live streamed, I guess you can call it, their mission you can see them uh in a line hands on the shoulder in front of them walking through the crowd up the stairs into they 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 planned this and uh, I've, seen the, I've seen the footage of them walking up the steps yes yeah they they uh communicated with each other um the cops have already gone on the record saying they found militia people on radios with earpieces with uh Multi cocktails, pipe bombs, uh, weapons, that kind of thing. We, we have found bullet holes uh, in in windows and stuff like that. We um, they they just announced that they that. Uh, one month before this, fi- uh, the equivalent of five hundred thousand dollars of Bitcoin was distributed amongst these white supremacist groups, and there were a lot of them that were present. So we have a the militias and the, the Nazis and the white supremacists all coming, and some of them were prepared. And we've got the video of them inside because they uploaded it themselves of them plan, uh, yeah. uh, talking about the plan and talking about which room was underneath them, which window to break, which door to go through, don't go down this. So they, they, they came prepared, and they say, to take the Capitol building. It could have been a massacre. Well, here's something interesting. So do you... Do you <clears throat> and I'm just, I'm just speculating here. It. If that's the case, and I've heard just recently, and I don't know all the details, that, there, that there's the big plan to, to do this. So if it was a plan, could you say that the president incited a riot at that protest, I have a th- I have a theory about that because my wife and I, we run theories by each other. My belief would be, Trump's not smart enough. He's a dumbass to do that. But his plan was to stop the electoral college counting. The count. The counting. Yes. The count. Just stop it. If that meant, that meant getting people, because he told them, I will meet you there. I will lead the charge. All right. So he knew that, and we know that because he, we've got him calling Tommy Tuberville and leaving a message telling him to stretch it out, stretch it out, uh, you know, um, object on all 10 states just so we can knock it to the next day. And he did that in the middle of the riot. So um, the the thing is this: someone 
they put in charge uh, at the Pentagon, Trump appointees. And it was so, whatever was going to happen was so egregious that Dick Cheney got all of the current living secretaries of defense to write a letter to say the military will not be involved in this election. Just so you know, we're cool. And that's never, ever, ever happened. That's a bad thing. That tells you that the president has lost control of his own military. And I can see that these same flunkies told the Capitol Police, do not increase your numbers on that day. You don't need it because these are all Trump supporters and it'll look bad if you have National Guard. But here's the thing, I will... Well, that would explain why they were just eventually just opening the door and like leading them. They had already been fighting them for a couple hours. I I believe that there was participation. It was only a couple cops that were participating. I believe that they were just, they they were like one to 500 outnumbered and they knew that. So they're like, I've seen so much video and it is terrifying that they were there to murder because they said they were there to murder. And, uh, you know... Why didn't they murder anyone? They said they were coming to invade, and they did. So I have to take their murder. No, I'm just... I'm not not arguing with you. I'm just asking, if they were there to murder, why didn't they because anyone. of that hero no cop. Well, number one, they was... had they had uh, the gray seals, what they're called. Uh, those the, the two people that one of them shot the young lady, the veteran. Um, they're guarding, yeah. and their secure location. When they say secure, it's secure. No one's getting in. So, um, but the point is, is that that one. Uh, cop that you see in the video bought them time when he uh, led them away. If they had gone right, they would have been right in the Senate. But he pushed them and ran away. they were in the Senate at some point. I'm sorry? Or he just... He just... He, he just bided enough time for them to get out of the Senate Barely, chambers. Barely, it was, was a minute to two minutes. Pictures of them in... Yeah. Okay. yeah. It was like a minute to two minutes. Yeah. So, so yeah, it, it is. It is nuts. The there are, look, there are tons of good people. I have no doubt that thought they were going to a protest, and I have always said you protest to your heart's content, even if even, you know, occupy the Capitol because it's that's actually you know we we do it all the time. We occupy the Capitol during the Obamacare fight, you know. So we just don't. <laughs> try to do insurrection (laughs) and i think that i think that's what most of them were i've likened it to sort of a weird conservative burning man festival i think the vast majority wanted to show up and woohoo stop the steal and then it's like we're gonna march to the capitol let's go woohoo and they're all heading to the capitol and now we're on the steps waving our flags this is awesome it's gonna be great and we all feel good and they don't realize that not everybody there is there to do good it's it's not antifa it's these other groups and i'm willing to hold off because well it right it's i mean it's just like the the protests that happened over the summer i mean most of the people were there to protest. Most of the people are fine 
people. They're just concerned about you know what was going on. R- in riots are bad the things. Department. There's a difference between. But there is there is an element that would enter into some of these protests, and at nighttime, then they would create mayhem. So, oh, I agree. Yeah. Anytime you have enough people, there's always going to be a But bad you're right. This sure. this could have ended catastrophically. You know, they, um, Ayanna Presley, you know, they discovered the moment they went to press the panic button that all of the panic buttons have been ripped out of their office, and that's now officially being investigated. You know, that's that's frightening stuff. And then, of course, we got the reports of tours being given the day before to a bunch of people and tour and there are no tours it's the whole capital is shut down for um uh, pandemic stuff and no one's allowed to give tours if you're in the capital it's because you have business in the capital and on the fifth there were groups of people in the capital so much so that a couple dozen have uh, written uh saying i saw this what, what are you gonna do are you sure about that huh? That seems. How does that not like? You know, there is, like light up red it, lights on the fifth. That they, there's sense. a lot of talk about fifth, it today. Yeah, on the fifth, they contacted. They they called the head. They said, uh, "What what's with all of these groups?" And they were told, "We don't know who these groups are. If they're in the building, they were brought in by one of you, because uh, the uh, the Congress people." use the police as their own security the security doesn't tell the congress people what they can and can't do so um if if the, someone a congressperson or staffer brought in groups of people so are they look i've seen the videos there, there's there's videos of these people in the in an office room of the capitol and they're organizing to go through and they're talking about the plans that they have, not just the plans they made earlier in the day on Evite. The, they're talking about the the layout. Kind now, of hold thing. on, you're, you're you're talking about the day of the thing, not the tours from the day before. Just want to. Make I'm it talking clear. correct. So, okay. they re, they either used help from inside, they uh, reconnoitred earlier, or uh, at staffers. Look, there's a. There's a hundred ways you can get lay out of the capital. It's not super secret at all, okay? So, you know, I'm not going to go, uh, I'm going to be stupid about it and say, there's no way they had to have help. You well, know, maybe that's why it wasn't as bad as that they didn't have, all they had was the publicly available information and not. Correct. They the found Climber's office and it is not on any map. All right, and uh, and the parliamentarian's office too. Uh, so yes, there's a lot of hinky shit. Yes, people we well, know for a fact that. Well, all you would need is yeah. one disgruntled former uh, congressman. True. You could give him the layout of the well, uh, or just a staffer, someone that's worked there. That's a you know even a contractor staffer kind of thing. You know, it's and even somebody who just. And it could have been somebody who just thought these folks are going to come in, they're going to yell a lot in the chamber and shake their fists in the air, and then they'll get escorted out. That yes. person's like, I'm going to let these people in, not even The thinking. defining characteristic of the Trump mafia family is a combination of idiocy and um, deviousness. The deviousness is, 
I'm going to court the craziest, most racist people because I can easily manipulate them, tell them the lies that need to get their support. And it never occurs to them that that is bad and has negative consequences for democracy, security, the whole thing. No, it is a transaction is what it is. So they do not care. Trump is that kind of psychopath. So I can see, you know, a psychopath, sociopath, idiot who does it, who makes every decision based on a uh, transactional need to get approval or something of advantage without caring or even looking ahead that, you know, this could lead to uh, actual insurrection. Because what do you think is going to happen when you and every one of your lieutenants tell the American people that not only was their vote stolen, their country has been stolen, and it is an illegitimate coup, and America will no longer exist if Biden is elected. When you ran that in for, for as long as you do, what did you think was going to happen? Well, I certainly think that uh, Bi- the Biden administration will present a lot of trouble, a lot of problems. I don't know about where, us not existing, uh, but, uh, you know, it there was certainly con- cause for concern and that people were, uh, you know, a little concerned about that and some of the things that were going on uh, during the election. So a lot of people were there because they felt like, hey, there's some shenanigans going if on. If you're going on Hunter Biden, Nobody's I'm going to s- smack you with a fish. <laughs> That's another episode. Oh, wait a minute. Hold on. New York Times ran an article after the election about Hunter Biden. Oh, well, there is something that's, there's something well, that's I'm going so on. glad I didn't and? accidentally vote for Hunter Biden. Uh, it's, another, <laughs> it, it's another podcast. Another podcast, because that is probably about... It's not so much that. It's it's uh, uh, Biden's uh, relationship with China that he's been, you know, cozied up with China for a long time. I've, I've been very wary about the situation with China for a long time. We're talking about, I mean, ever since 89, really, when I was, it was on my radar, you know, what happened with Tiananmen Square, and then, and then us offloading all of our uh, our, our manufacturing capabilities starting in the early 2000s, watching, you know, entire uh, swaths of, of industry, uh, you know, North Carolina specifically, our, our, um, our the furniture, uh, yeah, textile industry was just gone overnight. And then we're told, oh, well, we're transitioning to a, a service-based economy. All horseshit. All horseshit. Yeah. So... I'm concerned. I like the fact that Trump was tough on China. I don't agree with everything he did as far as that's concerned. But I'm worried about the future as far as that's concerned. But I don't think we're going to disappear as a country. Well, we'll do a big China episode. All right. Well, thanks, everybody. We are at the top of the hour. We're going to go ahead and wrap it up for today. But thanks for joining our Generation Insurrection I've been waiting to get the the tagline in. So let's talk about uh, what are you going to be doing for the week? Ahead, Snapper. Uh, working on my studio. Pretty much. I'm pretty same. much gonna be working on that all weekend. We got a three-day weekend coming up, so. Excellent. We'll enjoy that. How about you, Russ? 
Um, <clears throat> I got my uh, my parents coming over this weekend to help me install a new uh, tile backsplash in my oh, house. Beyond that, I'm going to be um, trying to earn as many bells in in uh, Animal Crossing <laughs> as possible so I can pay off my home improvement loans. <laughs> it's like real life. Oh, gracious. Well, I'm going to be doing a little bit of the same, working on the podcast, editing, and just trying to stay sane. So we want all of you out there to do the same. And make sure you join us next time. I'm Jeff. See you later. Say goodbye, guys. Bye, guys. Bye. Excellent. Take care, everyone. You've been listening to Generation, a podcast brought to you by Twisted Little Gnome Studios and edited by yours truly, Jeff. Your hosts today were Jeff Morgan, Russ Barbario, and Snapper Morgan. 